Welcome to Anarchists and Androids. Uh, I'm Parenthesis I, and I'm joined with... Uh, Logi the Barbarian. <laughs> Logi, oh, you're so low-key there. <laughs> yeah. I am Logi yeah. the Barbarian. And today we'll be talking about the two most recent episodes of the Star Wars series Andor on Disney+, Plus, uh, episode 8, which is called Narkina 5, and episode 9, Nobody's Listening, exclamation point. <laughs> Nobody's listening. Oh, this is this is tragic. I'm gonna try to keep my notes up here. I I have a lot. So I'm gonna say that one of the most exciting things in Star Wars history has happened in one of these episodes oh. for me. <laughs> oh yeah, a couple of, actually. Some of the most exciting things for me. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was there's a there's a scene in here where um oh I gotta I gotta I gotta rem start remembering names again now. His name's not it's not Luger, is it? Is it Luger? Oh, are you thinking uh? The Skarsgård character, yes. Luthen. Yeah. Luthen, Luthen, yeah. Lex, Lex Luthen. Lex Luthen. Luthen, <laughs> <laughs> Luthen goes and, and meets Saw Gerrera. And if you don't remember Saw Gerrera, Saw Gerrera was in Rogue One. If you've seen Rogue One, he was kind of considered a radical. I, I had been calling him the uh, Che Guevara of the Star Wars universe for quite a few years. And I really wanted to see Saw Gerrera return. Yeah. And I got... I, I got that, but I also got a little more than I than oh, I expected. Yeah. So I, I was excited for that. I don't know if that's where we want to start our conversation. At. Oh, sure. Like you're talking about like the A-bomb. Yeah, they <laughs> dropped the A-bomb. Here on Anarchists and Androids, we are thrilled that they have kind of put it out there in the world that Saw Gerrera is an anarchist. Yeah, I think they phrased it like it was a conversation between Luthen and Saw Gerrera. And Saw Gerrera, like... No, no, Luthen implied that Sagrera is an anarchist, but Sagrera didn't correct him. So that kind of assumes that he agrees with that label. Yes. So and what he says, did I write it down? Um, Luthen, we need the Empire to help. We need them angry. We need them coming down hard. Oppression breeds rebellion. Think of Spellhouse and Flames. And so he says to him that anarchism is a, anarchy is a seductive concept. Bit of a luxury, I'd argue, to a man who's hiding in cold caves and begging for spare parts. No sale today. Not for sale. Like so, I, I put no sale today was not my was my uh, was my comment on there because they're trying to barter for action. Essentially, he's trying to. So he's he's shown up to Sagarera and he's asking him for help with another group that he's organizing with. And then we start hearing Sagarera in return kind of responds when Luthen says we need them angry. And then he says, think of Spellhouse and Flames because they're trying to make this assault on Spellhouse. And Saw Gerrera in turn starts listing off a bunch of political factions and ideologies that are in the Star Wars universe. Now, I tried to look some of them up and a lot of them just, are, there's no information on. There's a, information on a few. Uh, he says, Krieger's a separatist. Maya Pai's a neo-Republican. The Gorman Front, the Partisan Alliance, Sectorists, human cultists, galaxy partitionists. They are all lost, all of them. <laughs> yeah, and I love that one line, I am the only one with the clarity of purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes on to ask Luthen, what are you, Luthen? I've never really known. What are you? I'm a coward. I'm a man who's terrified the Empire's power will grow and and and. and and he goes on like that. And like you said, Sagarera replies, I am the only one with clarity of purpose. So those those different organizations, this whole thing is interesting. 
because uh, it, it does in some to some respect reflect real politics, but it also has, you know, unique Star Wars elements. The one that I could find some information on was the or I believe it was the separatists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were in the prequels. Yes. So the yeah. separatists, the, there's the Confederacy of Independent Systems and stuff like that. And that's the thing. But about a lot of these, uh, I couldn't find anything on them. And you can kind of have to just guess on what they are. Yeah. A, a neo-Republican, I think, is self-explanatory. Yeah, the alliance to restore the Republic, I guess, would be about that ideology. Yeah. Now, what is anarchism in, in the Star Wars universe, do you think? Oh, yeah, I guess we'll still we'll find out if they care to elaborate. But I, it's weird, like they call Sakura's group the Partisans, which is distinct from the Partisan Alliance. Mm-hmm. So maybe they they had some kind of alliance that they separated from and went off and did their own thing. Perhaps. I mean, that would be very much in line with like like, like I think of the the that was the, the first international, the second international. And then there was a divide between Bakunin and Marx. They were it was a kind of a big, giant. I don't know how to explain a big giant communist collective trying to organize workers in the world to abolish capitalism and fight against the state and all this stuff. And there was a schism between Karl Marx, who most people are familiar with. And then there was a big, a big uh, well-known anarchist at the time that whose name was uh, Bakunin, Mikhail Bakunin. And that's kind of where that puts me in the mind of when you bring something like that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Among the partisans. Yeah. And the split that happened. And yeah, so Sal Guerrero would be like Bakunin <laughs> uh, if they had some kind of big conference where they were kicked out of and so. So there was those conflicts and those conflicts yeah. often occur between people who have similar ideologies and they find that one nuance where they just fight over it. That's just a thing that's happened politically for a long ass time. <laughs> yeah. But then Sagura also is in the animated uh, series Clone Wars, uh, you which know I what? haven't seen. Yeah, I have. Oh, oh. I, so I went back and watched some of the Sagarera episodes. It's interesting. I feel that he's, and I haven't watched all of them. And and uh, I think I've said before that I do struggle a bit watching animation. So I don't know how much I I absorbed in some of those episodes. But I did sit down to watch those. In fact, this last week, in preparation for this. I didn't glean anything uh, that I was overly excited for, but it did seem like we were going to get some kind of radicalization of the character. He's definitely a sort of rebel at the time. So, yeah. What we have going on in this episode is we have essentially have a couple different scenes, or I guess characters we're following simultaneously. We have Andor, who's in this prison they've taken yeah. him to. And then we have Mon Mothma. And, and Vel, Vel and Mon Mothma eventually merge in the in the last episode. Oh, and it, the big reveal is that it turns out they're cousins. Yes. So yeah. there was a comment that that they made, I believe, in the last episode, uh, where essentially her companion that she was traveling with asks her, you know, asks her who she says she is, and she says, "Oh, well, something around the line, along the lines of." So uh, Vel made it to the planet he's look she's looking for andor and the planet andor was on and then the other person speaking to her and she asked her who she is or who she says she is she says maybe i'm a rich girl running away from her family and it gave me a reason to think oh wait they're alluding to something with vel well come to find out vel is pretty well to do she's mod mothma's cousin and she shows up with money and gifts for the family and whatnot so interesting <laughs> Yeah, and it turns out the person that Bill was talking with, I think, is her name was Cinta, and I think they imply that they're a couple, but like 
their, their dedication is all like to the the rebellion so yes. like yeah they, they mentioned like they, they don't have the luxury to like really explore their relationship together because they have serious you know life endangering work to go do and stuff and then also i think this might possibly be the first same-sex couple in star wars is it yeah, because I can't think of any other. And, and and we get a bit into... Oh, I want to talk at some point in time about couples in Star Wars, because we talk a bit about in some of these episodes. Did we already talk about the age of marriage of my oh, mama? Yeah, how she was like 15. And they kind of imply it was like an arranged marriage between her husband, who she doesn't really seem to get along with in the series at all. Yeah, and she was a senator at 16. And I started thinking, yeah. you know, like like Amidala was supposed to be something like 14 in the prequels, and she was a senator as well. And you have these arranged marriages, these wealthy families. So I started questioning some of this, and it seems almost like some sort of form of aristocracy is happening here. As a senator elected, because they talk about elections, but you're electing 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm i curious, is this like a lifetime election? Ele- you're elected and it's a lifetime appointment? Or how does this work? I've got a lot of questions about this, the, the social structures that exist here now that I don't yeah. have the answers to. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is one of the great things about Star Wars. It's like it's a huge like galaxy and like all these different societies and cultures and stuff. And I think some of them have it such where you have like a aristocracy on a planet. But then like within the aristocracy, like, you know, a prince or something could be appointed to this galactic Senate. Yeah. And, and just, yeah. Just, just because you have an election doesn't mean it's necessarily all that democratic of a thing. Just look at the United States. We have we, we we vote all the time on things that we never vote for. We got someone else voting for us. If you've got an aristocracy on a planet, it's usually a big family thing. It's highly likely that it's people that are personally involved with whoever's being voted for at that point. Mm-hmm. It would make a lot of sense that everybody's going to vote for their kid to go to the Senate. I'm wondering yeah. if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, or they might have like no voting at all on some planets, mm-hmm. which kind of makes the whole Star Wars universe really dark. You know, you have a very like <laughs> lots of organized crime. You have lots of slavery in the Star Star Wars universe, and then also you have like you know aristocracies and monarchies and stuff where people have no vote and empires and emperors. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and this prison too. Uh, if you want to go into the Narkina 5 prison, because oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so I'd say like this prison in general is like one of the most grim, intense, brutal things in the whole Star Wars universe I've ever seen. Like it's right up there with like the Death Star and like Darth Vader and such. Is like this prison the way they designed it to just be exquisitely, perfectly engineered to crush people in every possible way? <laughs> uh, have you read Foucault? Have you read the the oh, the, the, no. the what is it called? The A Discipline and Punish was one of his yes. books about prison. Yeah, yeah, and, I was thinking about that with these episodes. And it's it's the uh, it's not I, I'm I'm is it called the Panopticon? Is that what the name of the prison was in there, or is that from something yeah. else? Well, yeah, I think he talks about it there, but I think somebody else designed the Panopticon. Yes. Yeah, and, and one of Foucault's points in there is is the design of the prison, how everybody's being watched, and he kind of makes a parallel to how that goes on in society. Like we're we're watching each other. You make the prisoners do the policing of them. You have this, and 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 the way in which it happens is the prisoners a giant sphere in the center. Of the guards can look out. They're always questioning if they're being watched. Everybody gets punished, et cetera, et cetera. There are some parallels that exist between what Foucault talks about in that crime and punishment book 
And what I'm seeing here, I'm not saying it's an exact parallel, but we have prisoners policing prisoners and Andy Serkis's characters on there telling people to get in line. People are afraid, pushing each other, hey, get in. The guards don't have to be there to tell them to do that in a lot of these situations. The guards are minimum. Of course, that's also because we know some of the technology that is punitive as well happening. And there's a fear of the guard tower, which in this way is a little more elaborate than just a tower. Yeah. And in fact, actually, I think uh, Mon Mothma uses the phrase to describe the em empire, surveillance and prosecution without limit. <laughs> and yeah, that describes the empire in general and the, this prison in particular. Yeah, it, like prison, it shows it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like a factory prison, too. So they're basically using slave labor of the prisoners to build yeah. Who knows what? But a lot of people are thinking maybe they're building components for the Death Star. So in a lot of ways, it's like the United States. You know, we have private prison companies that are making a buck off of a prison labor, which is essentially unpaid. And a lot of big corporations are having their production done. there. like Victoria's Secret is for one example. You know, there's prisoners making essentially what amounts to slave labor, like what's going on here in this TV show, this horrible nightmare, dystopian, like science fiction world, like. What they're doing here to show the horrors of it, we do in this country. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, like in the was it 13th Amendment, when they outlawed slavery in the United States, they had a provision, an exception of prison labor. You can still do that. So slavery was illegal except for that. So, yeah, and and, and uh, it makes sense, you know, looking for cheap labor, capitalism has always kind of done that fighting, you know, you can only fight the workers so much when unions fight back. And then, uh, you know, who? well, people who don't have rights, the people whose rights we've taken away from the workers still has a few rights here and there, not necessarily underneath the company, but according to a constitution, to a, a government, supposedly. But at the end of the day, you know. Why not have a class of people who is devoid of rights? We did that, you know, before the Civil War. That was a huge thing. And we could go on for this forever. But prisoners are the perfect uh, kind of target for that as creating a class of people who don't have rights. Yeah. And I think in the Andor series, uh, the emperor instituted the P.O.R.D., the Public Order Resentencing Directive, uh, in response to that uh, the Aldani raid. Yes. and. Basically, everybody's sentence was like expanded, like doubled or quadrupled, whatever. So even people that were in this prison because of the P.O.R.D., then they got word that their sentences were just like increased because of this. Yeah. And, and then he, he tells them not to pay attention to the numbers because the numbers are going up. They have a little number, a counter, apparently. I believe that's how many shifts they have left. Is oh, that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Every shift is 12 hours long. And so, and then you have 12 hours, you know, for free time, I guess eight hours would be for sleep and stuff. And so it's, it's very like logically engineered, this whole system. And it's a, it's a huge, like windowless, basically it's underwater. And so of course everything's windowless because the whole structure is underwater, but then all the floors can potentially become electrified. So everybody's going around barefoot, except for the guards with these special boots. So it keeps them from getting electrocuted. And one of the first things they do for like new prisoners is to shock them, electrocute them for like the lowest possible setting, just so that they know like if they disobey, they can get electrocuted. 
Yeah, and what ends up happening is we find out there's something has happened. Now, remember we were talking about the communication between floors. They were, they were. Did we talk about that a bit in the previous oh, one, or was that uh, another discussion? I had? No, I don't. No, I don't think. Uh, I think this one, Narkina Five, is a Narkina Five one that goes into it. Yeah, so we, we we start we start seeing that they communicate between floors with some sort of sign language. It seems. Yeah. And because uh, they're they're partitioned off and, and they can't see each other. Each 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 group or room or whatever has their own little like shuttle of uh, like their own little wing of the prison. But they see each oh. other when they're waiting and moving through these giant tubes, these catwalks. And since yeah. they can't communicate normally, they've started taking like sort of sign language. And I knew, I knew, I knew that would be used as a form of organizing this to come in later when they first showed it in that episode. The next one. They start hearing rumors that something happened to what was what oh. they call them. Oh, that was yeah, the, that was so mitten. Yeah, you're talking about the most recent one. Nobody's yes. listening. Yeah. And the yeah. So it's like such a dramatic thing. Yeah. If you haven't seen the episode, <laughs> go watch it. <laughs> so like we are a, we are totally spoilers here. Oh Only yeah. Spoilers on this show. If yeah. you're listening, expect spoilers. Either have yeah. watched it or don't be planning on watching it at all. <laughs> or yeah. watch it having the spoilers going into it. <laughs> yeah. So you know what you're going into, I guess. <laughs> but but no, so like yeah, the in the catwalks thing going from one section to another, and they see like the other levels, and then like the the lights go out the power goes out temporarily and everyone's freaked out and uh and then like rumors you know pass i think from the evening shift and the day shift they pass yes. each other you know and so like they can when they pass each other in the hallways they can like briefly give each other some basically rumors and stuff yeah. but yeah I, I don't know if i should like ruin the whole thing about what well happened. yeah we're spoilery uh, yeah and, okay. and i think we should talk about it because because what's going on is 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 um so what we see here is is there's not a hundred percent answer on what's happening throughout. This is a little bit of vagueness, just like uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, they talked about don't take you know legal advice from what they call them barracks lawyers uh, and things like that. You, it's very in a situation like if you if you've ever been in jail or prison or uh, a military situation, which are very similar in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. If you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into that too much, but they're very similar elements to those situations at times. Um, and and one thing is that the, a lot of the talk within the the prisoners, the 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 troops or whatever, the ground level talk is a lot of vague rumors that can't be trusted because there's somewhere at the top there's kind of this blockage of information you're you're not you're not expected to know they don't want you to know it's not your concern you do as you're told yeah exactly and i think they even say that like the sign language system of communication from different levels it takes about a week to go from like one the bottom level to the top level yeah and i think the reason is is because well you have like we have all these different levels and these different rooms and whatnot competing with each other and as they're leaving you know one can talk to the next and the other can talk to the next but but talking from one to another kind of takes time at that period that they have where they can actually see each other for a brief moment and when one of the uh, characters has a stroke and is brought out, he's essentially euthanized. And then there's talk. He said, oh, well, this is better than what they got down in two. And there's a lot of that. No, don't talk about it. Keep them in line. You're not supposed to talk. That information is not freely given. It's like I was saying before, you don't have any business knowing what the hell's going on. All you should know is your menial task of production and stay in your place. Corporations aren't much different either. 
Oh yeah, totally. Hierarchical yeah. structures. Like if if the workers had knowledge of everything going on and a say in everything going on, things would be much different. Yeah. <laughs> or the prisoners. The prisoners as as Thor Ragnarok, one of my favorite superhero movies says, they, they don't say that they they don't say uh the, the word slaves bothers him. He says prisoners the prisoners with jobs. That's better. The oh. prisoners with jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and definitely like I guess everyone has a job in the Narkina 5 prison because it's mainly like a factory. Yes. Yeah. And if like, people can't do their jobs, they're basically killed. What is that they're making? Is that like a, like a tie fighter piece or something weird? Like what are they what are they producing yeah. this giant gear? Well, like one thing is like you gotta keep in mind that in the Star Wars universe that the Empire is building up this massive military force. And yes. so all the like star destroyers and TIE fighters, as well as the Death Star, it's all under construction. Yes. And so, and so they say that in a way, like the PORD was more like just to get a massive slave labor pool. And but then also to establish like fear and stuff among everybody. But yeah, the, the, I wrote down like uh, Andor. He's on level five, room two, day shift. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, I'm wondering if while the twelve hours they're working, that if their their uh, their bunks are, are the are the night shift is sleeping in their bunks or not? Like, what's going on there? Or do they get their own? I doubt oh. they get their own. I'll bet you they just swap the two between to save space, and you can crowd the prison a little bit more. Oh wow, yeah, and that makes sense that they would pass each other in the hallway then. Yeah, yeah, and that and that also would go along with the whole thing that nobody has their own individual identity. Everyone's yes. just like a cog in the machine. I think yeah. when they're passing, I think when they're doing that passing, I think what's going on is that they're they're coming and going, but I think they're seeing the different floors is what's happening. Yeah, so maybe because like, the different room four, room five, room two, and they're talking about level two, room whatever, is what you're doing is they're all coming in and out for that time. So you see, not just probably not i don't know if you're seeing other shifts is necessary but I, I do believe that they are seeing the other rooms they're competing against because the whole entire system is set up as a system of competition so the yeah, same well, i think the tables are at least because uh, they, they divide the rooms by tables and then and they, they and then they divide the rooms against each other so andy yep, circus character yeah <laughs> yeah so Andy Circus's character is in competition with all the others, as he points out. And he says, like, 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 I don't want to go below third place or something. So the room winning, you know, is is on him. He it's his goal as a prisoner to keep everybody in line. Um and whatnot. I mean, when slavery was going on, there were slaves that were given a few extra um what's it what's the word I'm looking for? Uh liberties and freedoms mm -hmm. to to kind of be an overseer to other slaves and keep them in line. And they were given a few breadcrumbs from the master's table, essentially. It seems like it's that type of dynamic that's occurring within the prison labor type of system that's being used. Does that make sense? Uh, but yeah, they also have like in the competition, like the top tier of people mm -hmm. in the food like substance that they eat to stay alive, they can <laughs> taste stuff you know otherwise like most people like yeah well no flavor is like for the very top person you <laughs> to get flavor but the top tier is you can taste something instead of just being tasteless mush and then the <laughs> bottom like uh you know the losers the worst producers would be uh, electric shocks right yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's keeping it, it, it like keeping a system of competition against each other keeping the workers fighting each other so they're not fighting against those above them um, it sounds familiar to me. I think I've I've seen something like this somewhere before, where where workers are encouraged to 
to kind of compete against each other instead of work cooperatively for a common goal. I wonder where. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I've seen a system like that before. Maybe they actually get paychecks in those other systems, but I've definitely seen this before somewhere. I'm drawing yeah. a blank where. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so then the big reveal for the system that they discover at the end of this uh, Nobody's Listening, episode nine, is that like, what they do is like when people's uh, term of service or their sentence runs out and they take somebody away, they leave, they're actually just moved to another level and they're resentenced to continue working at another level. And so like nobody actually really leaves the place alive. And now, in fact, like I wrote something here that Kino Loy is the name of that foreman played by mm -hmm. uh, Andy Serkis. And yes. he said uh, to Andor, uh, what? If you want to get out of here alive, you turn that part of your mind off, the part of your mind that's thinking about escape, you know. <laughs> but so then, like, uh, once, like, Kino Loy and, and the Android discover that nobody does get out of there alive, like, that whole philosophy that, that he had is kind of, it's like a brilliant performance here with, like, uh, Andy Circus. Like, you see, like, uh, as his, like, faith and stuff and the whole system is, like, getting eroded. And the the medic guy that euthanized that elderly man, labor prisoner guy, like he basically revealed that what happened is like somebody that was transferred from one level to another, uh, this was uh, transferred to level two. He then told all the other prisoners and they, they believed him about revealing that nobody ever gets out of there. And so then that level two revolted, you know, they had an insurrection. And then what they did for the, the guards, they just turned on the, the electric floors to maximum setting and just suddenly killed like 100 people, prisoners all at once. And that's what caused like the, the power to short out and stuff. And this is uh, the ending of this uh, episode nine, which is brilliant. We're like, because all throughout episode nine, Andor is trying, he's kind of nudging Kino Loy about getting information, trying to see if he's thinking about escape. And even at one point, he screamed out dramatically, nobody's listening, or he reveals like how uh, the guards aren't really listening and surveilling you. They just try to give the impression of watching you, but they're not really listening. I mean, that goes kind of back to the panopticon idea. Yeah, well. yeah. Like, 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 like this, you're you're policing yourselves out of fear. If they need that to fry you to death, they can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like, and so like, then like, uh, He's always asking, like, Kino Loy, how many guards are really there? And then at the very last sentence, you know, of that episode, the Kino Loy, it's like, says, never more than 12. And so that reveals that, that he's been watching the guards. He's been thinking about escape and stuff. And he finally is like, he's ready to, like, break out and get out of there. And, like, boom, that was the end of the episode. And you could tell, like, <laughs> Kino Loy is like, fuck this system, you know. <laughs> he just, because he lost all trust on it. And he, yeah. he get a sense that he really cared about that old man character that was euthanized. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's not totally heartless, like he kind of seems in the, when you first meet him. Yeah. No, we got about four minutes, maybe three. I want to oh, make yeah. sure we hit on everything we want to hit. Was there anything we wanted to hit on Mothma? Oh, Mothma. Oh, so also in the, the most recent episode, uh, like she gives a speech against, you know, the empire and all the totalitarian, you know, oppression. Mm -hmm. And there's like, some pro-imperial senators that are like heckling her. You see people turning off the lights and like leaving and stuff. Yeah. And, like nobody really, very few people are really giving a shit about what she has to say about her kind of rebel rebellious thinking. And you get the sense that Mon Mothma is like coming coming to a realization that the fascism of this system here is like deeply entrenched, and you know you need to be focusing on other means. Yeah, yeah. I think she's I think she's realized that 
because she has been focusing on other means. And one of the things I think is interesting is a conversation between her and Bell is uh is 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 they bring up she asks uh she asks about um Luthen essentially and um and Vel's response is uh okay Mon Mothma she's talking to Vel she asks what does he have you doing and Vel just kind of goes who you know she kind of just responds to the question it brings me back to when I was talking about the security culture thing and that like those Danny don't video look up the Danny don't video <laughs> on YouTube you can find it I think the ALF or someone like that put it out talking about keeping your mouth shut <laughs> and I think that's interesting when you look at uh, what's going on with over on the Empire side where where uh where snitches are getting rewarded and promoted and positive things from the authoritarian state you snitch you're gonna get a little extra as his he had um what's his name the oh i gotta flip through and find names now some of these names i'm not remembering too quickly and yeah there's all these like wonderful like star wars style of names is like karn Oh, 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 Cyril Karn, yeah. Yes, Karn, so Karn snitches and Karn gets a little benefit. Oh, he gets promoted, yeah. Yeah, yeah, snitches in an authoritarian system, being a snitch is a a positive thing for those in power who want all the knowledge and power over you. Whereas, you know, if you're in prison or or, or a working class folk working a job, snitches get stitches, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Oh, another great Star Wars name they introduced in this uh, most recent episode is Davos Skaldin. <laughs> and he's uh, going to be someone, I guess you're going to show in a future episode where he's like an organized crime boss that uh, oh, Mon Mothma yes. wants to use for money laundering, basically. And, and he's wanting to meet her. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what we're, what's going to happen here. Definitely, like I said before, at some point in time, you know, Mon Mothma is going into her own Iran-Contra thing, which I think is interesting. <laughs> it's like if Bernie pulled off Iran-Contra. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Against the U.S. government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Bernie, Bernie smuggling, like, arms to a bunch of, like, radical left-wing socialist revolutionaries in Latin America or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and... There's also like regarding the empire, like they showed like in the most recent episode a torture scene, uh, yes. where, like the I think Deidre was torturing like maybe it was like an ex girlfriend or something of Andor, well, and what they was, used she was I don't, were they I don't know if their relationship was clear to me, yeah, because uh, she had that boyfriend who ratted Andor out. Well, anyways, that's a side point. Go on, what did you say? I yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, like how uh. They devised, they had like this one kind of like a Nazi torture doctor guy (laughs) who devised this way by like taking the sounds of like the dying children of this alien species and then they they amplify it and tweak it and stuff and they put it on like headphones similar to like what you're wearing (laughs) (laughs) and torture people with the sounds of these dying children baby aliens it's kind of reminiscent like like the torture scenes kind of remind me i'd say they're they're a bit different because i think they're just kind of electricity or something but it reminds me of cloud city when han uh, gets 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 uh, an empire strikes back and they're torturing Han and whatnot. Yeah. That wasn't Cloud City in Bespin, wasn't it? 
Yeah, they also in the first uh, episode four, A New Hope, they have a torture of uh, Princess Leia too. Oh yeah, that's right. I almost forgot about it. So uh, torture is pretty common for the Empire. We've seen. I, I think wondering how diverse I th- wasn't Kylo Ren doing a little torturing here and there too. Or oh yeah, guys, a... yeah, yeah, torture and slavery and monarchy. It's all over Star Wars. <laughs> the aristocracy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's a, it's a very politically rich universe, and I I find that fascinating. And and I'll say this about Andor, what I really love and appreciate about it because i've always wanted to see them get more political with star wars and flesh out the politics of it because i'm really I, like I, i'm a news junkie i'm a politics junkie i i used to sit there and just like at work when i worked at a actual desk well that's been over a decade ago now but anyway when i worked at sitting at a desk <laughs> i would i would have my headphones in and i'd put on c-span in the background <laughs> on my computer and i just listen to c-span as i worked all day <laughs> so i don't know why i have this weird obsession to listen to political stuff i just do yeah. <laughs> wow and i can picture now like cyril karn at that office job that he has that reminds me of the movie brazil like <laughs> listening to like the news programs and stuff there <laughs> yeah they got i wonder if they got a uh a an an imperial c-span where you get to listen to the senate floor the senate doesn't seem very powerful though at this point (laughs) and you know they're gonna dissolve the senate in episode four too oh it's gonna be exciting this will be interesting this will be interesting well do we have anything else we want to add before we sign out oh uh yeah oh just uh, that one uh phrase that they use at the prison on program and so (laughs) that phrase means like stand at attention you know and in a certain kind of position and stuff Yeah, there's an interesting lingo going on there that might be worth dissecting because I heard a few other phrases that were odd. I I know I noted them, but I don't I don't want to sit here and dig through the all. I've got quite a few pages of notes. I should have probably leaned a little more into some of them. But but yeah, maybe we can use that lingo here in the podcast. Like if you're like rambling off topic, I can be like, hey, on program, on on program. (laughs) (laughs) Rambling off topic, I'm a big proponent of. Anyhow, oh, oh, and one thing to bring up about uh, if anybody wants to make a, a song intro song for oh, the intro podcast. song, yeah, yeah. If anybody, like, I don't know, we need a song, we don't have a little intro song. I don't know what to do. If somebody was like, hey, there's an intro song, we'd be thrilled about it. Maybe suggestions, ideas, things like that. I, I, I would even, uh, yeah, we gotta do something about an intro song, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking that the name Anarchist and Androids, so maybe something reminiscent of the genres of punk rock and electronic <laughs> music <laughs> yeah that sounds like chumbawamba to me yeah yeah uh, I, I wonder i think there's some kind of like like open type of thing with chumbawamba's music at times where they allow people to use it maybe we should look into something like that there's got to be something great from chumbawamba out there oh, that, and then also negative land too i think it's anarchist as well i yeah i'm uh, oh yeah p- perhaps but so I know that one thing was at a point in time, Chumbawamba had like put all their stuff on the internet for free to use. I don't know the exact, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I'm getting off topic again. What do you say? Oh yeah, on program. <laughs> on program. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review. Where can they find you online there, parenthesis I? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm at parenthesis I, uh, and I spelled E-Y-E, and on Twitter, and then also parenthesis I.blogspot.com. And uh, I, you can find me on Twitter, and I'm on TikTok now. Ooh. <laughs> at, at Logar Hail Crom, and I, I, I do the daily podcast Wobblies and Wizards here, which focuses on role-playing games. 
And 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 how do we sign off? Oh, as Bell says, uh, everyone has their own rebellion.